Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Movie Newbie. I'm your host, Jabril, and get ready for the show. Just a word of warning, spoilers ahead. Yo, what's up, guys? We're back again. Just finished the theme of Southeast Asian Gems, and now I think we have a new one. I don't know what we're doing, but as usual, we have my guys Ollie and Raph. So, yeah. What's what's this one gonna be? I'm I'm pretty excited. I'm sure Ollie has speculations on which theme is uh is next. Ollie so, takes away. Yeah, so it's so it's my my turn to um pick the theme this week, and uh yeah, I decided to go with gangster films. Oh, so we're gonna shit. be doing uh gangster films for the next three episodes, um, and for the first film of this series. We are going to be doing, of course, what else? The Godfather. Oh, shit. Yeah. Perhaps the best gangster film. It may be the best film ever. So, uh, yeah. So I thought, you know, gangster films is kind of a... It's interesting that gangs... Okay, so basically, I felt we had to do gangster films because some of the best films that we talk about ever, some of the best films in, you know, in cinema history belong to the gangster genre. And it's a bit unusual because it's not as if gangster forms a large part of our culture but there's something about the mythology surrounding gangsters that is so appealing to filmmakers and has um provided the fodder to make timeless tales on the screen that we enjoy time and time again and you know we'll probably have an opportunity to talk a lot about why people are so into gangster films over the next couple of weeks um i think you know there is something inherently cinematic and alluring about the the crime family i think we're probably going to delve into that uh, but also you know with gangster films you're often telling the stories of immigrants you're st- telling the stories of the underclass you're telling the stories of robin hood type figures who are trying to essentially beat the odds against them that society's laid down in front of them and try to get to the top often at the cost of of you know uh their own souls and people around them so yeah, you know, this is just classic fodder for the mm. screen. And so I think we're going to have a lot of fun talking about it together. Hell yeah. There's almost a uh, there's yeah. almost a Greek mm-hmm. essence to it, like a Greek tragedy attached to 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 all or or most um gangster films where it's 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 either the power that's being usurped or the power that's changing or the Absolutely. one on top that is coming down and that's the tragedy the pitfall the the downfall of a, a, a of a of a of a character and and in that sense it's it's the godfather's the ultimate ultimate gangster film I, I don't think anyone would would raise an eyebrow for for us picking this one or for you picking that one shall i say so yeah. i'm very excited to jump on board and i think i've watched this quite a while ago so i'm not really I like a refreshment, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. No, so same here. I can't I, remember wait. the last time I watched this movie. It's definitely like more than 15 years ago or something like that. Like, Ooh. I don't, I remember like the wedding in the beginning and mm. yeah, that's pretty much it. Mm. <laughs> yeah. So, so, yeah, so the first part of the movie then. The first I believe in America. <laughs> I believe in America. Um, <laughs> um, how, yeah. Yeah, I, I think I think we're ready. I, I don't think there's any more to say than just to so. go ahead and, and watch this three-hour epic. All right. Yeah. Well, I'll catch you guys in a bit, and let's just watch this fucking movie. I'll see you guys. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's right. go. See you guys later. All right? See you Papen soon. Kula. Bye. Ciao.
<laughs> like, what's up, guys? And we're back. <laughs> Just watched the probably one of my favorite movies of all time. But before we get into it, before we get into it, drum roll, please. We... That's not Lovely. a drum roll. I don't know, I don't what, know that what that is. was. Sorry. <laughs> that, that was me, guys. <laughs> but okay, let's. We need to get to this because this is a first for our podcast, a first for the movie Newbie. Um, we've got our first guest, and it's none other than one of my best friends. He, we lived together in university. Um, we used to watch. He used to force me to watch movies with him, and then he'd fall asleep, and I would be stuck watching movies. But <laughs> it was great. Like we had such good conversations and everything. And yeah, it's none other than my friend Federico Mastro Pietro. Say hello, Buonasera. Hello, guys. Buonasera. How are you doing? Yeah, Thanks for having good. me. You're welcome. Such an oh, it's a pleasure to have you. Yeah, yeah. It's so our, tell us, wait. Uh, I was just going to say, he's our, like, little young Al Pacino. He looks a lot like him. I know you guys can't see him, but if you check him out on Instagram at Federico Mastropietro, <laughs> um, you'll be able to see. But, yeah, uh, introduce yourself. Say hello. Um, Tell us about yourself, why you like movies, and yeah. Hey, just, hey, hey, hello, spiel. guys, hello. Yeah, okay, so as Gabriel said, I'm a good friend of Gabriel. I love movies because um, I actually studied uh, film studies. I did screenwriting and producing since I was a child. Since I was a child, I've been loving, like, arts in general, aesthetics and visual arts. So I grew up with, like, camera recording and, like, filming um, family travels and family journeys all the time and editing stuff. So that's when I actually started to uh, think to study cinema, to become a, a movie director. Then, you know, shit happens and um, eventually I had to switch degree, but I'm still a big movie enthusiast, big, big film enthusiast. And um, eventually I um, hope one day to get back to it and actually work in the, in the movie oh, industry. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm happy um, I'm actually part of this uh, amazing podcast you guys are making. Thank you. So thank you. Good experts you, here. Man. So <laughs> I feel good about it. <laughs> All right. So maybe shall we like get our initial thoughts on the movie? Because damn, this is a long ass movie and there's so yeah. much. There's so there's much. So, much. so maybe so Ollie, you want to kick us off? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so. I hadn't seen this film in a number of years, and I don't know why, um, but it's shameful to admit it, but I don't think I'd seen this movie in full in one sitting since I was maybe 15 years old. I distinctly remember that my dad and mum had a copy of this on VHS of The Godfather Part 1 and The Godfather Part 2. And one day, my older brother sat me down. Uh, I must have, yeah, been 14, 15, maybe even as young as 13, and we watched all three films in a row over the course of one day together. And I remember having a pretty profound effect on me, but I guess, you know, The Godfather, it's often like cited as one of the best films of all time. So it's one of those things like, I don't know, like, like certain books like Huckleberry Finn or Moby Dick, where maybe you don't give it enough consideration because in your mind you've already categorized it as, oh yeah, everyone says that's great. So you kind of slot it in the back. You don't really think about it too much. So yeah, I was really excited to have this opportunity to rewatch it. And I sat down and I watched it with my housemate and I was absolutely hooked from the get go. I enjoyed it so much. I was so gripped and so floored by the mastery on display that the second it was over, my flatmate and I looked at each other and we said, we have to watch part two. 
So mm -hmm. the next day, this was a Thursday night and it was already 1 a.m. So, <laughs> so we had to go to sleep and then go to work. But then the following night, we watched part two and part three back to back. That is like six and a half hours, my friends. Um, but it was, uh, but yeah, it was, it was, it's all incredible. And I might have a, a bit of a difficult time distinguishing between part one and part two while we're having this conversation. But I can say this, like, I'm able to make this statement right now after having seen them both back to back. You know, this is maybe a bit of an extreme take, but I think that The Godfather Part One may be the most rewatchable film of all time, whereas Godfather Part Two is maybe the best film of all time. But Godfather Part One mm. is just, it has, it's, it's fun. I don't know how else to say it. Like, it deals with a lot of weighty, heavy themes. But it's endlessly quotable. It's endlessly rewatchable, and I think it might be like one of the best pieces of popcorn entertainment that was ever produced in Hollywood. You know, because this is when you hear of a film spoken as one of the greatest films of all time, you expect it that it could be kind of challenging or impenetrable um, or a bit too intellectual. But it's really fun. It's really really fun, and it's like really clever at the same time too. Um, and obviously, it's had a massive influence on everything that came afterwards. People can't think of a world or a film world or anything without thinking of The Godfather. And um, yeah, there's just so much to get into. But I'll just say that I, it's it's fantastic. So, yeah. How about you, well, Ralph? Yeah, I mean, that, yeah, I mean, it's, uh -oh. for me, it was a very different story. <laughs> uh, I'm going to go on the other side of the fence here. And I'm going to try to, much like in the film, how uh, Don Corrione is usurped by other family, uh, other mafia families, I'm going to try to do the same for this film and try to usurp it from its power and, and descend Ooh. it from its throne and challenge it a bit because I feel like you're so right. It's, it's, it's categorized as this thing that's almost untouchable and people are just like immediately switched on about how like it's, it's, it's this magnum opus for, for, for all mafia films, for all gangster films. But you know what? It did pave the way for other gangster films to do a better job. Um, <laughs> so I'm going to go with Woo! criticizing The Godfather a little bit, um, especially for the incredibly strong male gaze and and masculinity masculinity and and lack of you know female representation i'm gonna go i'm gonna throw it all all those little stones at it just to see if it can kind of crumble um because i did see a few a few flaws and a few moments where i was um where i was taken away maybe because i grew up and i've i've had a different perspective since that i'm not allured by its charm and its style and its fashion um, and it's, you know, emblematic features. Um, but saying that, um, I, I, I still respect it for what it is. I mean, what an achievement. Um, and you're right. It's iconic as fuck. Like it, the, you, you're, you're seeing moments where you're like, yeah, it's, it's etched inside my mind. Like I remember these specific moments and these moments are remembered throughout time just because of how well made and how well structured they are. Um, so, you know, as a filmmaking um, enthusiast, I, I will I will honor it for for what it has done and for what is for what it's accomplished. But I will also try to to shoot it down like a mafia member with my <laughs> machine gun, you know, driving by because I, I want to I want to challenge this film a little bit. It's gonna be hard from you, from you, Raf. It's gonna be quite yeah, hard. Yeah, I know. You cannot I deny. I feel like I'm already that. making enemies. <laughs> yeah, you are. I'm getting death stares. Raphael, 
Raphael the cat sleeps with the fishes. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to wake up with a horse's head on my bed. I'm like, oh. So how Your about best you, Feather? As well. <laughs> Feather, what do yeah, you think? Yeah, I also watched... I watched it. I was, uh, I think, 14 or 15. I was uh, with my family on holiday, and they went to, they went, they went to bed. I remember that. And um, I was like, yeah, let's watch a movie. I can't believe I haven't... I still haven't watched The Godfather. And I like... I have to watch this because, as you guys said, it's like an iconic, iconic piece of piece of work in modern cinema. So I was quite embarrassed myself. So I watched the first one, and exactly like Oli, instead instead of waiting the day after because I was on holiday, I just watched first one, part two, part one and part two back to back, and then part three the day after because it was actually five in the morning <laughs> by the time I finished <laughs> part two. Um, but but yes, I agree with Oli as well that um, part two, my personal opinion, is just the best of the trilogy. Um, but part one is just such an iconic piece. You cannot, um, the things, the, the, the cinematic techniques it also brought up um, were things that like it challenged, it challenged like um, modern canons as well of cinema, you mm -hmm. know. Um, I'm sure we're gonna speak about this in a bit, but um, the way uh, Coppola uses, you know, like, lights and shades and darkness is something that was so unusual back in the days you know it was movies were very very often just very bright and like with sharp colors and we're trying to you know enhance um expression as much as possible with, with a lot of lighting you know and he actually challenged this um these conceptions the movie canons that were established back then so i think you can actually um, Raf, if you want to challenge something, maybe you want to go to that direction. I don't know, um, but surely, <laughs> but surely, surely, we cannot deny the the disruptive, um, the disruptive um, thing, the disruptive um, ideas power. that it brought up. Mm -hmm. Power that, um, like in cinema in general, you know, started like mm -hmm. almost like a movement. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, it. I agree. I, you know, I agree with all three of you guys. It definitely changed the way that. Like, I mean, after that, there's like, I guess, before Godfather and after Godfather with the way movies exactly, were yeah. done. I feel like the, one of the things for me is like the, I guess the realism in the movie was really apparent. I really like that. Like maybe it was, uh, the movies before that was quite, you know, cops and robbers, you know, like very mm. light. Maybe probably due to the fact that it was difficult to do the things that they needed to do. But um, this... I think I remember the first time when I watched this movie, it was like, wow, okay, now I understand why people have a gen like a genuine passion for movies. Mm. Because there's there's something so artistic with the way things were done with The Godfather that I was just blown away. And mm -hmm. I think this is probably my third third viewing of this movie, maybe second. Uh, I, I'm not exactly sure. I mean, I've seen it. I saw it a lot over a year when I was like 15. I was like, oh, dude, everyone, we've got to watch The Godfather. Wait, the were, you one of those like the age. Were, were you one of those teenagers that was super into The Godfather, Scarface, and then literally, hip -hop music? Literally, <laughs> it was like I watched Godfather, and I think the next day I watched Scarface, and then I watched uh, Goodfellas, and then um, I think I just like blue. hit all of the you know, the, the big gangster films. And I was like, yeah, uh, fuck, who's the I guy? Mean, we all uh, had logic. That, we yeah, all Sinatra. had that moment. 
We all had yeah. that moment. I feel like that's the we testosterone had. we had when yeah. we were like 15. We were like, come on, we just need well, it. Drugs, drugs, I, women, uh, <laughs> guns. Yeah, you, you, you know, the, the, when you start looking towards the Godfather films as lessons for life, that's when you're probably heading down a dark path. I think, and that's exactly what I'm going to critique. I think the biggest <laughs> thing with like the godfather is at least when i watched it it was like i was so into quotable movies and i really wanted to just quote shit you know like i always was quoting like anchorman and people would be like oh yeah like stuff from the godfather and i'd be like i don't know what you're talking about so it was like my first movie newbie experience so um i guess we should get to it let's get down into the discussion and let's go. um maybe let's, let's talk it. about what we agree on I think like okay. that's a good way to ease into the conversation. Um, Before there's tension and friction, sure. Yeah. I mean, so I'll throw you... a few jabs here and there. You know? I'll, I'll take up the challenge. Rafa, will take yeah. up the challenge. Yeah. 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 You're going to lose, Round though. one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. So how about we start with, I guess everyone's very into the whole um, artistic value and the way that this was mm. filmed. And I think... For me, one of the best scenes was the the horse head when uh, what's his name, the movie director Jack Waltz. Guy. Yeah, Waltz, exactly. When he wakes up and you just listen see, to me, like, my Kraut Mick friend. Sorry, I'm gonna oh, I'm man. gonna try not to do quotes the whole time, but go on. Please. Oh, dude, that was such a good line. He's like, I'm half, I'm German Irish. German Irish. He <laughs> should, he should, he should have just let him play in the movie. You know, that's giving the movie. But, that yeah. scene, it was really cool because, like, they just – it was the bed and him sleeping. And the first thing I noticed was, like, damn, yeah. those pillows look really nice and soft because they were, like, all silky <laughs> and stuff. And then as the camera pans yeah. and the movement, then you yeah, start seeing money, the man. blood. And then you're, like, oh, shit, he's dead. And then he wakes up. And then he, like, you know, Lifted. like, gets up, lifts yeah. the covers. And then you see the blood. And it's, like, oh, my God, he's about to die. And then it goes even more, and then it's like, holy fuck! There's a stallion head in his fucking bed. Like, what is yes. going fun on? Fun fact. Do you want, do you, do you, oh yeah, go fact, ahead. That's an actual. That's an actual yeah. horse's head. Whoa. Which they got from. They they got that horse's head from. A fucking, this tells you all that you need to know about the seventies. They got it from a yeah. dog food factory. <laughs> a dog food factory, nasty. <laughs> and and apparently, mean, no. You know what's crazy? They didn't tell the they didn't tell the actor playing uh, Jack Quartz mm. that it was that there was going to be an actual horse head in the bed. I don't know if this is true. This sounds like one of those things that could have been made up along the way. But mm. apparently, that take they shot where he's screaming, that's his genuine reaction to having a bloody horse head next to him in yeah. the bed. Just freaking yeah. nasty. It was so, so gross. Yeah. And we're and I mean, this movie is shrouded in in, in this like mysterious. Uh, kind of atmosphere where there is also instances that, and I'm sure we can talk about this uh, later on or we can dig into it now, but I feel like this film, just like Francis Coppola's um, Apocalypse Now, the making of this film is just as interesting as the actual film. Um, and I don't know how much of it is actually true and fact and how much was uh, it a marketing scheme to lure people mm. to go see this film. But there were um, instances where the actual mafia was attached to this film and gave it, it the green light to to, mm-hmm. to carry on shooting. Um, there was one one mafioso in particular, uh, whose name now I lose, Joe Colombo. 
who was a real estate agent um, and who actually got shot uh, whilst there were uh, the um, fictional assassination of Michael Corleone uh, when he orders the family rivals to to get gunned down, which is probably the you know the climactic thirty minutes where all the members get gunned down. There was an actual assassination like a couple blocks away when they were shooting that, and Joe Colombo, the guy who protested against this film uh, for its stereotypical uh, ways of portraying Italians, uh, especially Italian Americans, um, he wanted to shut this film down, and and he had uh, mafia roots. And later on, during uh, the scenes where all the fa- all the family members get shut down by by Al Pacino or his order. He actually gets assassinated a few blocks away during that process. So there's like few strings here and there that you can say, I don't know if this is actually true or this is actually fact, but they are they were meddling with with some uh, murky waters and they they shook hands, uh, some dirty hands for this film to, mm. to be made. Damn, that's that's pretty interesting. Mm. Nice. I know I know that um uh yeah the the mafia for a short time were pretty um set on this film not getting made Um, and then also uh but also frank sinatra did not want this movie to be made because johnny everyone thought that johnny fontaine the uh uh the lounge the 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 musician from the the story yeah yeah, the singer from the movie who's at the wedding he Mm. uh was seen because he was in the original book by mario puzzo and he was always seen as like a very thinly veiled um uh basically composite uh, Frank Sinatra analog because Frank Sinatra also supposedly had big ties to the mafia Mm. and Mm -hmm. um, was supported by the mafia from the very early days of his career. Well, yeah, Sinatra is uh, quite like, goes back to the days. His his surname, I don't want to get into this now, but like there are certain surnames that you can track back to, you know, um, mafia roots and... Mm. And you were right. This movie wasn't like it got many people upset, and the, th- the same thing happened not too few years back, like a couple of years ago, when Gomorrah. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, another movie about mafia, about the mafia in, in Naples in Campania. It's another type mm-hmm. of mafia, and it also was very criticized by by the local gangs who mm-hmm. didn't didn't mm-hmm. they actually threatened both the author and the directors not to to make the movie so there's still like it's still valuable today this this type mm. of issues you know like um Absolutely. reality going against just artistic portrayal you know yeah yeah, yeah absolutely which is which is curious because the producer uh ruddy al ruddy um mm. he he was being you know that he was he was getting sent threats he was being followed yeah. there was all yeah. sorts of shit happening yeah, dangerous things happening to him, uh, which is funny because once the movie was over and he uh, decided to um, give private screenings to, uh, you know, to, to these bl- black limousines that came into these like dirty, like, like not dirty, but like mm-hmm. backloft studios, you know, these kind of arrangements that were made. He loved it. So, <laughs> you know, the mafia absolutely loved this film. And, and, and towards the end, it was all ruled out because, yeah, everyone kind of loved this film, including the mafia itself. So it's like... All of that pressure and all of the the shrouded mystery was was then gone once the film was was actually released. Yeah, yeah. I think like a lot of the major gangster films or TV shows or pieces of pop culture are often actually ironically quite well received and loved by yeah. the gangsters themselves. Like I 
I heard that Henry Hill loved the real Henry Hill loved Goodfellas. Like he mm. loved mm. how that made him look. And then um, a lot of gangsters loved the Sopranos because they, I guess yeah. because maybe in a way, I think perhaps some of it was going over their heads, but maybe in a way it, it humanized them or it kind of like, I, mm. you know, it, it, I don't know if iconicized is a word. I know it is. Like, yeah, it, it made them iconic. Elevates mm. them. It elevates Absolutely. Them. Elevates Absolutely. Them. They feel like, oh my god, this is actually praising us, you know? So Yeah. Sure. It's well, it's turning it. their life it's turning I'll their lives it. in yeah, it turns their lives into almost like Greek drama. So Yeah, exactly. I mean it was Which it is, was like what you guys both said. Um it's the whole Robin Hood kind of story, you know? Mm, um, yeah. Are are you guys criminals or are you just you know trying to help your community in a way yeah what, i guess it wasn't really movie? touched upon in the godfather but um godfather you know, like, part two they definitely touched yeah, on that yeah definitely, definitely yeah definitely. Mm-hmm. but i mean but in I, the first I, one it's very like you said operatic you know like mm-hmm. you know dante you know the tragedy and the comedy very dante the, but it's very down yeah i think we should continue on this on this way because i really like what the um, what you guys are saying about the correlation with like greek tragedy and with like epical narratives you know it does have godfather it contains a lot of this uh, classic elements in narratives mm-hmm. in, in storytelling so from greek tragedies how you just you just quoted dante which is amazing man my man my man Jeremy <laughs> quoting dante yeah there's so he's many doing well he's doing well he's on the show well, I must say. Well. Yeah, he's... um so many elements that like correlates you know like the heroic journey or the rise to power and then the downfall mm, after, mm. you know, reaching almost the peak, a sense of belonging, of understanding, of discourse, self-discoveries and self-abandoning sometimes, you know? The, the exile of Al Pacino. Uh, the exile, you know, Exile yeah. is such a big theme yeah. as well. Um, yeah, when yeah. he goes back to Sicily. Well, I mean, it's, and, it's kind of like... It finds love, you know? Absolutely. His, his days in the wilderness, right? Like that's mm. that's um, a trope that goes far back as far back as you know most religious texts. Like the prophet mm. has to go mm. un, has to take a um, you know basically a, a leave of absence where they go into the wilderness and then they come back and they are fully calcified as who they are meant to be. And that was mm-hmm. the case for Michael. You know, he he goes off to Sicily when he comes back. There is no doubt about it. He is now the Don. You know, he is now the yeah. Don. But yeah. again, as in Dante or in Greek tragedies, there's always a feminine figure, you know, that you either lose or, or either pushes you to, uh, to to embark on a journey, right? And yeah. I was super sad when when the, the right after the wedding, the, the car bombing with um, what's her name Apollonia, yeah. when Apollonia is inside and the car bombing meant for for Michael, mm. just new wife, just dies like that and yeah. actually yeah. stars his inner demons no yeah to actually like literally like a bolt of lightning which is what they said she yeah. struck him like a bolt of lightning and left just as quickly exactly. and i mean that relationship exactly. right i mean you just give a stare to someone and immediately that's just how it happens that's just how <laughs> it happens guys <laughs> whoa, whoa, Pacino whoa. has that fucking gaze where he can like just lock into someone's eyes and they immediately reciprocate the love feelings <laughs> that he feels i mean yeah. here we go here's the first jab guys I'm gonna. <laughs> here's the first. Here's the first battle. The, the the battle cry. I I feel like the the women in the in this film were so thinly written that you have instances like this where Al Pacino locks eyes with with this beautiful Sicilian broad and she immediately 
goes to fall in love and elopes mm. and they get married and it's just like this kind of the pacing i had sometimes issue with the pacing where it was a bit too jarring mm. on how quickly everything kind of just happened especially when there are women involved it's either they're extremely submissive in a weird way like you know he just says and i guess you know to the times maybe they're being accurate but i would have liked some friction with um the genders because it's so mm. divided and i get it you know i get it it's about male dominance male power and and that kind of oppression that they had um which made them you know which, which made them figures that you that nowadays are very complex but also just I don't know. It, it for me, it felt very black and white of like man, woman. You like there wasn't there wasn't enough friction to mm. go about it. Um, and I guess that wasn't the focus. But if I am to nitpick and if I am to criticize, this is one of the things that I'm going to look at. And it's going to be this patriarchal yeah. theme that that overrules this and the father being you know governing the family and 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 all of that jazz. So first I, jab. I completely agree with you there. Um, I was I don't know how it works in the mafia. Um, but I don't know what position females play if wives or uh, daughters or have any sort of position in the mafia. Maybe it was like that sort of thing where it was like you're there to, you know, kind of like, um, you know, back in the day when it was war and the the woman's job was to unite families and that's all you had to do. Like, I honestly have no idea how it works. Um so yeah, it's, well, a it's, lot of the time, a lot of the time you're dealing with because you mentioned war, right? And um, and this and this film is 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 very much post World War II, and it's dealing with a lot of broken men, uh, men that have uh, seen violence in the battlefield and then have taken that violence back home, mm -hmm. uh, in in, that, in this sense, back to America, and they've Ooh. still managed to deploy some kind of warfare there. Yeah. I mean, the five families. It's all it's all it's all a modern warfare that is still happening, except in American soil this time, because yeah. they 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 are um, they're corrupted by violence and greed, um, yeah. which then. Yeah. But yeah, it's, I, it's like, broken men, basically. Like, mafia, I mean, the mafia is broken men. Uh, another way to agree to your point of maybe the lack of female presence is when he goes back to Sicily and he's like, where are all the where where are all the men? And mm. literally the next scene is a man sweeping the floor and there's no woman in the scene, you know, it's just like, why mm. would you make a point that there are no men yet the next mm. scene is a man. So, mm. um, I found that kind of weird, but yeah, at the same time, it didn't really take me away from the beauty of the film. And mm, 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 at the end of the day, it was, I guess it was a distraction for me, mm. you know, like, I would be watching the movie and I'd be like, "Oh, that's weird." Okay, now back to the movie, and yeah, that's that's I, basically I, I, how I felt. I definitely think that you know, even though I I will defend this film as one of the greatest films ever made, I do think that you know, there's not really a counter argument that the the women in this film are quite poorly served. None yeah. of the major female characters in the Godfather Part One, and yes, I'd I'd say the even Godfather Diane Part Keating. Two, are um are given an opportunity to really, you know, show much depth beyond what they're asked to play on the surface. Mm. Like they are defined by their relationship to the male characters. Um, I'm not necessarily going to defend that on its own, but I will say that I suppose this is probably a bit of a cop out, but you know, this, 
film is portraying a, a, a subcultural world of an environment that was male-dominated mm-hmm. and that was um, consumed by a, 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 a kind of sin that is um, very particular to men in general, like uh, like violence, greed, um, power, uh, yeah, delusions of grandeur, um, mm-hmm. jealousy. I, I I'm not saying that that's necessarily that you know that's that's owned by men. I think women can fall to those two but um yeah this is a very patriarchal society mm. and um yeah it shows a there's a lot of toxic masculinity on display but it is that's that's what the film is trying to put under the lens in a way i don't think that mm. still justifies not having a couple more scenes where diane Ka- keaton's character Kay or the um the sister connie maybe they could have some scenes where they're sort of mm. revealing a little or bit more about the who mother. they are like the mother but that like but that's almost like a you know i don't again this sounds like i'm making a really lousy argument in favor of the the filmmakers here but i think that the fact that the mother is such a, a nothing right she's a nothing burger like she does not you're nothing she's, you're nothing she's no but she, nothing. she, yeah. she is she's nothing she's basically a cardboard cutout like she has no character in yeah. this and mm, her presence I mean, is things in the beginning i love that right when all and in the second it. film in this in the second film they only talk about her when basically you know one of the major male characters says you know you can stay alive as long as our mother is alive and once the mother is dead Mm. then the story can resume basically and that's how they treat these women but that's probably how they were treated in real life yeah i mean but like what what is the roles in like i don't know if you know this fede but Mm. what's it like maybe if you could give us some insight exactly on that point i just want i was just waiting for you guys to continue the discussion and then pick it up. Um, I think that if Coppola portrayed females in any other way than he did in the movie, he wouldn't do justice to mm. reality. In a way that how they he portrays this very patriarchal and masculine uh, setting of things is actually uh, statement of reality authenticity it's mm. authentic what he does because back in the days and still now if you go in rural rural sicily there were there was a specific pre-established role for women you know they didn't have much to say in the family business they didn't have much to say in any other things rather than housekeeping and 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 child caring childbearing mm-hmm. so it's the way he portrays in the Godfather females portray is actually authentic because mm. um, females, as I said, they didn't have much of a role in 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 in, in business and family affairs. In so the what society, he, in the society in general, they mm. they had pre-established roles and they still do. There's still some issues we do, some social issues that still exist today in 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 the most rural rural part of of southern Italy, and. So the way he praises the conservative values, the traditional values, also influenced by a Christian and religious um, um, mentality and culture. So um, we, we, we're seeing people killing and, and slaughtering other people and gangs yeah. fighting. But at the mm-hmm. same time, we see baptism. The godfather, like when he becomes we, the godfather of uh, his see, sister's child. We, we, there's always a, there's always a mm-hmm. correlation or relation to to a higher power, but like God, in a sense, 
in a very Christian sense, very traditional. And that traditional culture is how actually women and, and women are portrayed in and how women actually reflect this traditional mm-hmm. values, this this authenticity mm-hmm. that I was talking about. Um, and, yeah, and yeah. you said you said that the um you bring it down to, to the core family and religion and, and those are kind of the pillars of the mafia, right? They're exactly it, and it was kind just of the things to holding say, together. One one of the main so the, the as we said before, it's actually very hard sometimes, it's very vague, you know, seeing what's evil and good when you when you when you watch the movie, even though you you're seeing these guys doing awful things, horrible mm-hmm. things. Um there are some sides of them that really tell tell us that they're still human. So there's still mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. the the part of love. There's still the marriage. There's still the celebration, you know? I, I think like a an example of that was when um can't remember the the fat character was teaching Michael how to cook like meatballs. Exactly. And the guy was like, hey, what the fuck you doing, man? We got a we got <laughs> exactly. business to talk about. But there's still humanity in 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 the characters, you know? They're not Sometimes you just forget about they they're evil because they they are they all are evil, mm. but there are some elements and some moments in the movie where you're like, wait wait a minute are these guys evil? They do they're like human they they well I they, I, I think I think I think also that yeah and I think this film does a good job but I think the second film does an even better job of doing this yeah of showing how basically we're talking yes, about they part are. one ollie i know i know sorry <laughs> but in part two. one this is in part no, no, but, okay. but in part one they do they do uh i think shed some light on the fact that yes these people are doing horrible things yes these are broken souls um yeah. they're monsters but at the same time they're not justified in what they've done necessarily but they no. came from a class of people that were completely uh looked over and oppressed by the powers that be in society that as immigrants mm-hmm. as italian americans mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. faced um prejudice at every corner so that's why like i think they re-watching this film i noted how pretty much everyone who's not italian american in this film will resort to using some sort of slur to describe the italians mm-hmm. like everyone's calling them like a wop a dago um oh, well, yeah. uh, excuse me for using the the, the language mm-hmm. but it's um but ev- everyone is is essentially I don't know, debasing them. And they, they, they don't yeah. think they deserve a seat at the table. And so that mm. does, it doesn't justify what they've done to get to the top, but it does give you an understanding of, okay, okay. So if I'm not legitimized as a person, if I'm not integrated into society, how do I acquire power? How do I look after my community? How do I, how do mm. I achieve the American dream? What are the options mm. available to me? Mm. And this was one of them. And that's, I mean, that's the, that's the thing I, I, I did uh, really enjoy and I did find um, to be a really strong theme is this whole immigrant story, this whole immigrant um, uh, uh, journey to, 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 to power, to, to, to this power that's almost beyond um, uh, the American system because then they have... It's like the American uh, dream on steroids. Exactly. Well, exactly. And I think it's the, it's the journey to the American dream. And, and, and a lot of these, um, including Al Pacino's character, um, who joined the war effort and fight for America, you exactly. know, they, they want to fight for, for this kind of freedom that they've, that they've seen um, uh, all along the East Coast, where, where they've basically assembled. Um, but their rise to power is, is incredible. Um, and, and so the seeds that they planted around uh, around America 
um, the mafia I, I'm, I'm talking about, and I'm talking about the, you know, all five families that have planted seeds all across America. We're not just talking about the East, East Coast here. We're talking about the West and, and Middle America and, 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 and the kind of, um, the kind of pockets they had, you know, the kind of agency they had mm. against uh, those people and the corruption that they've spread throughout. I mean, if anything, they were the they were the epitome. They were the the quintessential power of America that America looked at, and they were like, "Holy shit, let's let's talk to these guys because they know what they're doing." They're um, doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they're doing it. And they were yeah. they were the kings of of, yeah, yeah. of post war America. They were the mm. ones that ruled over over the land for for quite for quite some time. And I mean, these are these. Uh, this story draws from actual inspiration, from actual, you know, real life events that occurred. So that I, f- I found uh, how how incredible that that these families have risen to such power, and that pretty much have just like America in their grasp, in their pockets. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and <laughs> and 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 if I if I may interject as well, as I was watching this film, I was thinking, um, what if if there was ever a reboot of The Godfather, I don't know why <laughs> that came into my mind. <laughs> what if Owen what Wilson if? played Don Corleone? <laughs> and instead, you have Owen Wilson going, you, you come to my daughter's wedding? Wow. I mean, and you ask me for a favor? Wow. It's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. It's like an old, an older uh, Owen Wilson trying to be Don Corleone. And I was like, this is fantastic. Owen Wilson needs to be in this. And so, I, I think if I ever do a reboot, no, yeah, please. and like a a CGI like young Paul Rudd as Michael, that <laughs> yeah. would be great. Just have, just have yeah. the comedians take over the Godfather uh, reboot. <laughs> All the famous comedians. A bit sat- yeah, a bit of satire in this. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, but yeah, back so to the, the Whitman role. I just wanted to yeah. finish my point. Mm-hmm. Um, fun fact, actually. Um, in in mafia, because you know, in Italy, or also in in America. There are different types of mafia gangs, right? So what they're portraying is the, the part that's called Cosa Nostra, which exactly come from Sicily, is the mafia that was established in Sicily. And one of the main values of, so they, they do have a moral code, yeah? So that's when you start- Omer, making, Omer, Omerta, right? Is that what it's called? Omerta, Omerta yeah. Omerta, yeah. Omerta, yeah. So did you- so when you when you start questioning their humanity and they and their genuinity, you 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 actually see that they do have a moral code, an ethical code. It's not like pirates, you know. They do, but like they're more, you know, whatever we let's take over this and whatever happens, we 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 get everything, you know. Mm-hmm. While the, the Cosa Nostra, the mafia, Sicily, the Sicilian mafia, they do have an established code, and one of the the pillars is that women and kids should not be touched ever. Mm. So you see that the, the feminine figure again, it's not, it's not given any importance in a sense of the role in, 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 in the more fair things, sort of things, but it, it is given an importance of the image of it. So mm-hmm. um, you, you cannot ever touch a woman. Maybe it's because they want to praise their of course, stereotypical in a stereotypical way nowadays, but they want to praise their naivete, their mm-hmm. um, softness in a way. So you could not touch or kill 
um, a woman because it's it's too fragile. You should you should not touch. Yeah, kids. but like if if you wouldn't if you wouldn't in a weird way by like not seeing them as um, uh, basically as as anything that could be touched or anything that uh, as a person that could be killed or like as a casualty that you would be willing to accept in a way you are kind of delegitimizing that speaks volumes about how you see them. You do not see them as equal. So mm. you may be putting them on a pedestal, so to speak, by saying like you can't touch them, you can never harm a woman. But at the yeah. same time, if you're not, if you're distinguishing between how you see a woman and a man in that way, that will influence the your act, your behavior in general. So yeah. you know, I mean, that yeah. just goes back to how it was very much the code of war. You know, mm. this is a yeah. war between men and the armies of men mm. and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um historically it was like you know if you were to come into the village and rape and pillage and get the women as slaves and kill the children and stuff it was always seen as bad so i guess it just comes back to that point you know mm. um, yeah, it's, a, it's how, a little how, ironic as well because they they um you know when they when they establish the five families sitting down and Don Corleone gives his message um, mm, about like let's I was make just peace, about to say mm-hmm. which is a which is a fantastic scene. I mean I love that scene. It's it's almost it's almost a, a mythology. You're like you're like witnessing just these these like yeah these just like Greek ass characters and they all have the faces yeah, yeah. and they're all smoking it's cigarettes very and for sure. mm-hmm. yeah it's, mm-hmm. it's all it's all like just hyper stylized and that's fantastic. Um, but there's an irony here where they. Um, where they they're discussing terms and then one of them goes and says, you know, if we're gonna deal with the drug business, no drugs go to the kids. All right, no drug like they have yeah. that like they can yeah. actually they, they, yeah we won't they like, do have boundaries no in dr- there. They fucked up word. They, do they can't boundaries. control that. I mean, if they're dealing with drugs and they, mm. they, it's they, all it's all they, it's all it's all a performance, right? Like they have to act. They have to act as if they care. Like they have yeah. they have to pretend it's a charade. They pretend that mm. they have some it's code that they're obliging. Yeah, like they're saying. You know, like Don, like Vito Corleone says, I don't want to get involved in drugs, gambling, yeah. prostitutes. That's fine. That's harmless. That's fine. But, you know, ultimately. Yeah, exactly. But um, yeah. these are harmless vices. But <laughs> drugs, no, that's bad. Um, yeah. But again, it does give rules to, to, to the old setting, to the old mm. uh, culture of mafia. Okay, there are all wrong things to do, but they do have a, a code in a way. So... Don't doesn't society in a way or cultures always Absolutely. have a so, sort of code? Well, like the, this film, yeah. this film isn't a, this film isn't about the conf- these films. Sorry, aren't mm. about the conflict between good and evil. They're about the choices between one wrong and a different wrong, basically, like yeah, two different exactly. types of wrongs. Yeah. Which is what yeah, yeah. ultimately morality <laughs> usually boils down to a to, you know a choice between two rights or two wrongs, not a choice between good and evil. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that yeah, I think. On some level, like the code that they hold themselves up to is kind of bullshit. You know, um, it's all a bit of a performance. But at the same time, it is a code of some kind. And that is usually better than not having a code at all, right? I think that's what the film is trying to say in a way. Because, again, I'm sorry to take us off the first one. But if you look at part two, I think, like you said, women can't... Like you said, women aren't meant... Women aren't... You said women aren't meant to be uh, touched, right? Like that's just part of the original code. But at the same time, one of the early scenes in um, Godfather Part Two, they kill an innocent sex worker, a female sex mm-hmm. worker, yeah. just to get essentially a senator to lower his price 
down by yeah, a couple of hundred. Sex worker, so who cares? Well, that's what that's right? what that's what that's what that's what they say about it. They say, yeah, no one knows. She has no family. No one knows her. She's meaningless. And the point is, I think they're trying to make there is that um, this doesn't necessarily make him any worse, perhaps. But Michael, once Michael takes over from Vito, from his father, he loses some sense of that original code. And he's operating with zero uh, moral framework. And that ultimately leads to his the complete compromise of his soul. Yeah. Mm. Well, mm. how about, I think we've spoken about the morality of... <laughs> And I, I, we spoke a lot about maybe the concepts in the movie, but let's maybe get down to the characters, the performances. Yes. yes. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Brando, Pacino. Wow. The other dudes. <laughs> the other guys. The other James Caan, Robert James, Duvall. I mean, yeah. Robert on. Duvall in like, this movie is incredible. He what looks a so good as well. What acting. a handsome chap. Uh, even, but even like the, I, I wrote down here as well, like obviously. Who's the consigliere? The lawyer guy? What yeah, Robert Robert oh, Duvall. That's, that's, okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Tommy Hagen. Yeah. But, but like, but even like the so obviously you've got the the the, the headliners are fantastic like Marlon Brando, Al Pacino. Mm-hmm. This would be his best performance if he didn't act in Godfather Part Two, which is actually possibly the best screen performance of all time. But anyway, um, James Caan, <laughs> Robert Duvall, they're fantastic. But even like the tertiary characters, like the supporting characters, are so well cast. Um, like Abe Vigoda playing Sally Tessio or um, Richard Castellano playing Clemenza, uh, you know, the chubby guy who's making the uh, meatballs. There's yeah, so, he's and so you know good. With John Cazale you know playing Fredo, you know? You know what's crazy about this film as well was that before this film had been made, they'd, be, they'd been making gangster movies in Hollywood for about 40 years by this point. But they were never casting Italian-Americans as actual Italian-American gangsters. Mm. This was the first time they actually cast people of Italian heritage in these roles. And I, I, I think, you know, it ends up working wonders. It makes this more authentic. It speaks, yeah, I was going to say, like Freddie mm. said, it speaks to, to its authenticity. And, and, and um, yes, it may stereotype, but at least um, those filling the shoes of those stereotypical roles are actually of that essence, you know. They are of that culture, of that um, even, even, even if it's even if it's a small a small sprinkle. Um, so I mean, the ensemble, yeah, it's it's a great piece. It's a great ensemble piece, and everyone flourishes in their role. I I, I believe my favorite being Robert du- Duvall as Tom and Hagen and his interplay with uh, James Caan. I mean, them two on screen, fant- fantastic, and also Al Pacino and. Um, and John Casale, um, Casale, or is it Casal? I, I never. Um, know. I think it's Casale. But, but they, Cazale, yeah. so their their chemistry is almost is 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 palpable. And and I mean, if you've seen Dog Day Afternoon, you will know that they they ha- just have great interplay and they have great. Um, well, they were they were friends. They 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 came up together in the theater, yeah. New York theater scene. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you can and you can see that you can like almost see that 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 connection. Um, and so Coppola really really um, gathered uh, an ensemble of actors that that propel this film to to be more than 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 what it is to be more than just style and fashion. You need you need these experienced these these veterans. Um, even if Apuccino wasn't, um, and most of them were still very young. I mean, Apuccino was 32. Diane Keaton was 26. You know, we're talking about, and these are these are the these are the benchmark performances, and they were starting out. Most of them were were kind of starting out in in film, um, apart from Brando, who probably was the most established of all. 
um, and who, I mean, who, who can show up uh, to a performance like this and be, and, and just do it like that, you know, nowadays, nowadays there, yeah. there, there's like rules, there's structures, there's like some things yeah. that you discuss beforehand, but he would just fucking come in and just be like, <laughs> this is how I'm going to do it. And that's it. If you yeah, take that me or contributes you leave me. to the greatness of the old picture, no? Like, yeah, for it, sure. It would never, ever, ever be the same without Brando. This would not be made. This would not be made like this. Well, no. you know, he's, Brando, he's, right now, like, he won the Oscar for this film, and like, now it's seen as an iconic performance, and it's almost impossible to question its brilliance. But you know, at the time it, the first this film came out, I think some people criticized its performance. They found it to be mm. a little bit too eccentric or a bit just ineffective in its own way. Roger Ebert, for example, he, you know, he criticized, he didn't love this movie when he first reviewed it. And one of his original criticisms was it, of it was that uh, Marlon Brenda's performance simply didn't work, that it was too wheezy. But um, I, I think it works fantastically. I don't know about you guys. There were, there were times where I was like, I wish there were subtitles, but... Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> He's just chewing on his words. I mean, that's... Yeah. I, I know I know he can do that. He he's Marlon fucking Brando, so he can do that. He can get away with it. Mm. But I feel like there was a bit of a of a lack of effort in in certain pronunciations, or mm. or at least just delivering certain lines. And like Ollie, you said before we started this podcast, you know, some scenes he would be reading off, you know, uh, off off billboards, off off like little cue, cue cards, cards. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, which is like, come on, man. I mean, I, you're not even you're not even like. He he was playing essentially a character that was way beyond his years. He was only what forty eight during this film, and that that was a problem in itself. I know it's it caused like a bit of a bit of tension because he got this part where the age wasn't the right fit, um, and then coming in and having kind of that like half assed kind of like let me just read off cue cards uh, against Al Pacino, who's Al Pacino. I like to think is kind of eating him alive during these scenes. He is really the one who's like, mm. I'm going to, not only does he usurp him or does he like take his power, but like he takes his performance away because Al Pacino, I mean, you're seeing someone who's like, who is going to define acting for the next fucking 40 years, you know, and I'm, I'm doing this with my fingers. I'm doing the, <laughs> I'm doing this. I don't know why. <laughs> and for you listeners out there, I, you can't understand what I'm doing, but I'm doing it anyway. Um, and um, so that's, that, that, it's it's incredible that you get someone um, of that stature and you get two different statuses, Marlon Brando, Al Pacino, mm. and, and, and Al Pacino just delivering on, on, a, on a higher level than I, I think he, he, he yeah, he, he, he does such a finer job at, at, at portraying his character yeah. than Marlon Brando, who, you know, he, he gets away with it because he's Marlon Brando. And I, sometimes I don't like to accept that. I'm like, he could do, he could do better. He could do yeah. Better. Like mm. the Brando, some like when he was, like at points when he was talking, I was imagine you know when you know when like a pilot is making an announcement and they're like hello welcome to <laughs> uh, we'll be flying at three thousand <laughs> you know like it's like he's just like mumbling words and um but maybe that yeah, that that I mean that it did it did add to the you know exactly. maybe it was because. He was the the Don, you know, the Godfather. A sense of and you are supposed of to listen. You, know? you, ha the, you have to listen to what I say, even if yeah. I'm not even saying it clearly. And that's what exactly. I was like, well, okay, I, you know what? I don't I, have more to of the hear figure. It. It's more of the figure Absolutely. itself than what he actually said. I think I think there are, you know, uh, this is 
it's really lame, but I, I remember seeing in a really cringy motivational post or something somewhere that, you know, uh, it is the weak man who thinks they can dominate situations by raising their voice. So it is yeah. uh, something like the idea but that he true. can command that kind of authority while speaking at the faintest of whispers half the mm. time and in a, and in a re- almost like an enfeebled voice, like he's, he's, he's raspy, he sounds quite, mm. um, but he's able to, yeah, command such control. You well, know what? He makes up for it. He makes up for his his lack of eloquence and his and his speech mm-hmm. pattern. He makes up for it in his physicality. Um, so I will give him that. He has such a presence, a physical presence on screen that is unquestionable. You cannot derive, you cannot mm. take away Marlon Brando's physical prowess and physical power on screen. And um, I will give him a one of the strongest nod. One of my favorite yeah. scenes um, is when he dies. Uh, mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. his around his tomato uh, plantation yeah. with with yeah. um his grandson that yeah. he portrays the just the feeble like aging man so well with his physicality and then when he dies it's just like this almost beautiful just depiction of of of, yeah. of an old person dying of a stroke you know of of, of a heart attack so mm. i i love that moment i love that scene and you're right he 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 imbues he imbues power incredibly um, uh, so that would be my favorite scene to portray, um, the, the, the descendants of power and his, and his, uh, his weakness, but his introduction, let's not forget his introduction, At the, the, beginning, the whisper in the ear, the, the, yeah. that, 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 that shot from behind, you just can tell that he's this incredible powerful figure just from looking at the back of him. I mean, that's exactly yeah. At the beginning. I mean, the first scene, right. When, yeah, when you only yeah. see. Uh, we're speaking to, and then the camera just zoom out, zoom out, and then it goes to a over in the shoulder mm. shot, and then but it's a bit lifted, you know. So yeah. there's always this sense, this vision he gets from above. So like he's actually mm. looking his um looking at his um, um uh, at the guy who's having the conversation with yeah. from, from above, you know, from above, it's a sense mm-hmm, of superiority. Mm-hmm. He doesn't need to speak, you know, he just listens. Yeah, with his so. with his hand placed right with there, the and then the, yeah, the, yes. the the guy whispering it, something in his ear. Sometimes em- it looks like em- yeah, he looks bored. Sometimes you know, he looks mm. bored. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. this. you guys are like you, you're morons. You don't understand anything of this, yeah. you know. Yeah, like you, I'm. You, you, you wish you were. In I'm I'm grace I'm gracing you with my attention right now. Yeah, yeah and, exactly, um, exactly that. And, and basically, yeah, he's like, you come to me on my daughter's wedding. It's like, mm, what? Yeah. Mm, you think I have time mm. for you, buddy, pal? Yeah. Come on, man. It'd be less It'd be much less of effective if he, yeah, if he sounded like hey, a soccer she. dad. If he was like yeah. more 20s. Owen Wilson, <laughs> yeah, she. Yeah. Owen Wilson. <laughs> Owen Wilson, I'm you telling you. Another, you hear my daughter's wedding? <laughs> Another thing that actually comes back, goes back to what we're saying now, is that if you notice, during the throughout the whole movie, it's very hard to get a, a, a glimpse of of um, Don Corleone, Vito Corleone's eyes and gaze. It, it's often hidden by mm. a game of shadow or low lights, as if as you know, like the eyes are the key to the soul, and like yes. the keys to, mm. to understand people and to get to know what they really are, as if they we we're not allowed to absolutely you, you, the, you, the oldness of them, you know. Well, I think we, you know that'd be a great opportunity for us to segue into a conversation about the cinematography here, because mm. you're absolutely right, uh, Fetty. The um, so Gordon Willis shot this film 
Mm. And he's gone down in history as one of the best cinematographers ever to work in Hollywood. And these film, the Godfather films look stunning. That But he was, what made him so different, his work uh, was that he shot everything in such, with such low lighting that mm-hmm. it bordered, it, he got about as close to, you know, it being unwatchable in terms of like what you could see. That's mm-hmm. like the point that he would take it to and he would leave it there. Like they did, films were, were much brighter um, before this film came out. Generally, they were not lit in this way. And he did do that by, um, apparently he would light, set up most of his lighting rigs from above um, so that so that it draped everyone who was acting in the scene mm-hmm. and everything in yeah. shadow. They were cloaked in shadow. They were dipped in shadow. Mm. And like you said, you cannot see their eyes because they're being lit from above. It's casting shadows on their face. Obviously, this speaks to the you know the themes of of, of moral complexity and duplicity in this story. Yeah, um, yeah, this is very true, but it is truer for all other characters. You know, like um, well, actually, with other characters, for example, uh, Michael Corleone. You no, know, at the beginning yeah. when he's not really yet into the old family business, he's shown so, full light. He's shown in full light. Right, you can actually see his experience. You can see his eyes. You can because he doesn't have a facade yet, you know, a facade yeah. yet. He doesn't mm-hmm. have a real character. He still have to discover his own belonging to mm. the setting. It was like pre-established in, you know. <laughs> it's kind of like the reverse of an unlocking a character in Tekken or something. Exactly, <laughs> the, the exactly, <laughs> exactly that, exactly that. But then, as the movie goes on and you go towards the end and towards, you know, where things actually develop. And the plot develops, and Michael becoming becomes always more in power of always taking more control of the old family business. His face again is more in shade. It's more mm-hmm. in shade, as as if light and and darkness and and the shadows are uh, a mirror to to. Well, it's more... it's when he, it's when he has two. Suddenly, he becomes two faced, right? So, right, exactly. you know, it, like like uh, before when he's uh, a, a young college kid, a war hero in a loving mm. relationship with his girlfriend, there's there are no two sides to his character. There's nothing that he is hiding. Exactly. But the, where, where does the film end? It ends with him closing the door. Mm. First, it ends with him yeah. lying to his wife and then closing the door on her. Mm. And that's, uh, you know, announcing to her and to the audience, there will be parts of me that you will never know. There will be things that I do behind closed doors that mm-hmm. you are not... I'm not allowing you to witness. And so mm. when you see half his face cloaked in shadow, that's telling you right mm. there. And then, you know, this is a man. Chose evil. Faces. Chose evil. Yeah. 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 And then in the end, it goes for darkness, you know. In the end, it goes more Michael Corleone as if he gave in to to the old evil setting. Evil Absolutely. And I have to say, sorry, that, but that final scene, though, with, with him and uh, Kay, like... <sighs> It still gets, I know what's coming, but it still gets me every time where he says, you know, this one time I will, I will allow you to ask me what mm. I do. Mm. And she says, mm. did you kill Carlo? And then you think like, he's going to grant her this. He's going to tell her the truth, but because it's the one mm. time only, but he says, no, he just lies. And then he basically shoves her yeah. out of the door. It's mm. the coldest <clears throat> scene you imaginable. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel, I feel like the, the nod for his transformation uh, which again, one of, and I think uh, this scene has been has been talked about over and over again, just for the way it's structured and the way it's composed. 
but his turn uh, when he decides to shoot um, the two, the cop and 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 the the the, the mafia leader who's the who's Turk. trying to usurp Sal- Don Salad, Salad, Salazzo and McCluskey. Salazzo, Salazzo. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's yeah. right. Um, that that scene when he the comes Turk. out of the bathroom and the yeah the trick and the 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 the, the technique it's used. You know the the train that that the 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 sound that comes out of the train. The the moment of tension. I mean. Coppola is so good at creating tension. He 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 uses a lot of of, of Hitchcock kind of um. I was uh, just to, about to, use to that. say it brings yeah, me back yeah. to Rear oh. Window. It was yeah, like yeah. it honestly brought me back to the use of light <gasps> and on the eyes and stuff. Thank you guys for introducing mm. me to Hitchcock. But hey, man, I, I, he, I was like trying away. to. I was itching to say it's like Hitch, Hitchcock esque. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, for no, sure. Continue, and that's continue, continue. That, well, well that's 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 all. That's all I have to clarify is that is that moment of, of true suspense that makes him turn into a more shaded character or a more layered uh, and complex character that 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 goes uh, and and really he he really enters enters the mafia after that scene and 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 he's forever changed, which is why the 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 last bit where he can't even tell his wife that he he's killed this man. Um, it, you mm. know that there's no turning back for him. This is it. He's the door. Yeah, yeah. He decided, yeah. almost decided. Yeah. To I, 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 I do. I, his... Yeah, I do have one question for you guys. But I, I first, sorry, just I have one nitpick about that scene though in the in the diner where he kills the two guys that um I always think about whenever I watch this film. So, uh, basically they get to the restaurant and they sit down. And the cop is obviously being like a boorish idiot. He's like, is the food even good here? And then like, <laughs> obviously then Michael and Salato have this whole conversation in Sicilian. But then like, mm. at that scene, the cop's already got like a bib in and is like eating like veal and like <laughs> stuffing his face. Like how quickly did that food come? Like they just sat down and he was asking about the food. And then immediately he's like having his own meal while the other guys are having this super intense conversation that's not subtitled and in, in um, Sicilian. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I just was, had to I get was that actually out. A little bit confused yeah. about that as well. I was, I was like, oh, maybe he's having bread, you know? Like, yeah, but like, you don't, you don't, basket. you don't, you don't, you don't like take a napkin and like tuck it into your shirt to have bread. Hey. <laughs> bread. <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, that guy's weird. Yeah. But uh, my question for you guys, sorry, is um, apologies for that detour. Um, uh Sorry, when man, you, you went went so that the transformation for the character of michael is so subtle it's almost not there like mm-hmm. i just at one point he's the the um, the bright-eyed college boy with dreams of you know staying out of the family business then the next he's quite easily slides into becoming the don when do you yeah. guys think that turn happened i think it happened right. in that scene at the hospital when he's uh, yeah. when he when he goes to his his grandpa that's right his dad to vito's um bed and he says to him there, I'm, I'll, I'm here. Was it? He says like, I'm here, Pop, or something like that. Or like, I can handle yeah. it. I'm here for you. I'm, I'm back now. I'm back now. And I think yeah. that's the moment where he decided, okay, fuck everything else. I, fuck everything mm-hmm. I thought. You know, I knew. Fuck all my previous values. Right now, I am committing to family is the most important thing to me. And by that, you know, measure, entering into this family business is what I will do now. And I will do yeah. it with as much ruthless, um, yeah energy as i can muster that was a yeah. that was a turning point for that that was the turning point for me um, yeah i completely same. agree with you because he completely takes charge of empathize with on. it mm-hmm, yeah mm-hmm. and he understands what's going on he's like oh, it. 
Yeah, where mm-hmm. are the guards? Where are the detectives? Then he goes to the nurse and he's like, "Hey, listen to me. We're gonna we gotta move him right now." Another and nitpick. She... So he goes to the um, <laughs> he talks to the nurse and he's like, "There are men coming here to kill us now." And he's like, "I need you to help me move this bed." The nurse is like, "Yeah, okay." No, like <laughs> if I was a nurse, no I'd be like, "Um, fuck this. I'm out of here." Yeah. <laughs> yeah <I don't> <laughs> Why did it make med school? I didn't know it was this fucked. <laughs> yeah, no so way you're helping you like move the bed. <laughs> No, no, no. Yeah, fuck this. Film. You're nitpicking it too much now, Ollie. Wow. <laughs> um, I mean, for me, it's the for me, it's 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 the the dinner scene, the 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 moment where he decides to kill for for his family. So that, yeah, um, yeah. As soon as you have blood in your hands, there's no turning back. Uh, yeah. When it's, when it's not oh. war based. Mm. Yeah, when he actually decides to kill Solazzo, mm. and and he actually decided to take matters in his own hands. Mm. That might be, because as you said, um, you want to, um, as soon as you, you get your hands dirty, like properly, mm. you are just no way back, you know? There's no way back. Yeah. yeah. So I guess before we wrap up, I have a question for you guys, because, you know, I feel like we everyone has a favorite scene in this movie. So mm. I want to know what your favorite scenes are, and then we'll hit it up with some ratings, I think. Um, mm. So who who wants to go first? Maybe maybe our guest. Yeah. Uh, our, our guest, Federico. I think... Um, I'm sorry, Raph. I think I'm, I, I will have to, to call for you, but... I think one probably one of my favorite scenes is when Don Corleone dies. Mm. Um, it's just so fragile. It's so there's such big contrast in everything. You know, mm. it's surrounded by tomatoes and flowers and a child next to him, uh, his grandson. So it becomes the the epitome of the contrast. There's a super strong parallelism against mm. you know again evil and mm. good. The humanity they 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 get to transmit to us by the fragility of Don Corleone, a man that created an empire just falling down for a natural cause, for mm. a heart attack with his grandson next to him, in a, in a, uh, surrounded by, you know, growing tomatoes and mm. so life in itself mm. and sunny day. It's trying just, to make him laugh, you know. It's it's, exactly, such, it's such a beautiful exactly. scene. Yeah, it's so human. Energy. It's very human. Yeah. It, 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 it re- reveals the human of even the evil, the most evil, if you want to say, yeah. Yeah. of of people, you know. Mm. Mm. So, Raph, you're gonna go with the same scene, or do you? I'm have... gonna go with the same scene, so I don't really need to to to. Sorry, to man. Clarify. No, no, no. That's great. You I'm should glad, have let I'm me glad go we... first. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm glad we share. I'm I'm glad we share the the same scene there, and it's and it's. You're right. It's just a beautiful human moment for for Dawn, yeah. which is so masked and so veiled in in power and yeah. and yeah. corruption that suddenly you get to see this just this old dying man. It's as simple as that. Yeah, the yeah. humility. It's fragile, and yeah, and it's fragile as everyone else. Great, great, um, like granddad energy in that film, though. Was sorry in that scene. Like I, I was when I was watching that, I, I I remember saying to my flatmate that I can't wait to be a granddad if I ever get to be a granddad because Mm. you can have all the fun of like raising a child, but with none of the responsibility. You don't have to work. You don't have to bring money up. So you retire. You retired, so you can sit in the garden and like put an orange in your mouth uh, and just like uh, mess uh, about and, 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 play, <laughs> and play with your kid. And then you go to bed at six o'clock. It's great. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's going to be wonderful. 
So, I also loved, I also liked that when, when they, when um, Sonny, Sonny Corleone get killed, uh, gets oh, the killed. Tall booth. Uh, yeah. the, the ambush, you know, it's mm. um, so raw, like, mm. and everybody just goes out and they, 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 like overwhelming with like bullets and yeah. it just yeah. goes on the ground, there's blood everywhere. Oh. And of course, uh, the horses, the, the head horse mm. scene, this horse head scene yeah. is also very powerful and something very unusual for their days, for for that for those days. Mm. But yeah, Ollie. Uh oh man, it's so hard. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I okay. My serious answer would be um, probably that final confrontation between Kay oh, and, yeah. and Al Pacino, just because also. That's when he's going into, I know I keep saying this, but like Godfather part two mode as a performer, Al Pacino, just that low simmering intensity where he almost never raises his voice above a certain decibel. But then that is also the consecration of who he is and the fact that he will, the fact that he could lie to his wife, to me, that almost feels Mm -hmm. like the original sin in a way. It's, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's a complete betrayal of, the values that even the mafia purports to have while they're killing people, which is family above all. Um, and just the way it's shot is incredible. But I, I, I will, I just want to give a couple of shout outs to two other short scenes that I always love. Um, I think <laughs> even though it's, it does portray a horrible gender relation re- set of gender relations. Mm. Um, the scene at the dinner table with Sonny, Sonny at the head where, mm. um, <laughs> <laughs> where like my where um they start arguing and like like I think like Connie says like you know um oh dad never talked business at the table then her husband's like shut up Connie's like you ever say that to my wife I'll kill you oh, my sister, I'll kill you and then like someone in the background goes like don't interfere and it's like the most Italian American like everyone's just shouting at everyone <laughs> and then Sonny's like we're not supposed to talk business at the table <laughs> and then um another one would be um when they uh Sal Tessio's final scene before he's killed in the car which mm. is um you know the character played by Abe Vigoda who um I think, you know, he turns to, he, he said, oh, I'm not going to, like, I think Tommy Hagen says to him, oh, you go ahead. I'm not going to be able to come with you in the car. Mm-hmm. Sal Tessio immediately knows then, okay, I'm about to be killed. I have no other way out of this. And so he turns to him and he says, um, can't you let me off? Can't you let me off the hook for all time's sake? And then Robert Duvall, who's incredible in this film, just looks at him and says, can't do it. It's just incredible. It gets me every his face mm, as well. Mm, oh, mm, insane. Mm, mm, mm. I see. Yeah. yeah. Good one. Yeah. No, for me, Gabriel? I guess I said at the at the beginning of our second section of this video, I mean video <laughs> podcast, um, was basically the scene with the the head of the stallion. And I just loved like the mm. way how it started with the the shots of the house and the I guess the zooming of the camera onto the window mm. where mm. You know, it was just, it was just such a beautiful sunny day. And then you just see such a barbaric scene. But I also do want to shout out um, the scene where Michael actually asks for the hand of Apollonia to the father, where he, mm. it, it, in, in my opinion, so was good. his first role as a Don rather than just the son. Interesting. You know, he sits there. 
completely quiet and he has his two goons talk about how she's so beautiful and blah 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 and the the restaurant owner is like oh yeah like this like that then he freaks out and then as a don would do he was like go call him out mm. and yeah i just mm. love the the way that it that was like him cementing himself in my opinion as the don and trying to like flex his power and i really love that scene um just the confidence yeah. as well that he can just say the confidence. To, the confidence, the confidence yeah. that he can say to you know, I I apologize for offending you. I would yeah. like to sit down with you and your daughter because I would like to ask her to marry me. Just like he, like it's ridiculous, but at the same yeah. time, it's like wow, he's like, you can get away with that, you know? Yeah, he's yeah. like translate for me. I'm not gonna even speak to you in your own language. Yeah. It's just like the balls on that guy, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but I guess. We should wrap it up here, but before we do, yeah. um, I feel like we didn't mention this, but it's the return of the fire hydrant that we don't understand from <laughs> Do It Yourself. <laughs> there was another fire hydrant in this movie that was going crazy. Uh, we didn't talk about that. Um, I also want to talk about like the sound of the baby crying throughout the movie. It was a very like with with the soundtrack. There was always a baby crying, and I was like, fuck, like that fucking baby out of there. It was so annoying. But we didn't have time for it this time. Maybe we'll touch upon this movie another time. Maybe when we do Godfather 2. Let's um, do it. I want to do Godfather Part yeah, 2. Absolutely. You know, man, this is I such feel a like I feel like it's going to be a monologue uh, just of Ollie speaking. But <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to be the Ollie show. Be, it's yeah. going to be Ollie show. So I let's get some that. ratings and wrap it up. So, Fede, can you hit us up with a rating, please? We do it out is of it 1 10. out of 10? Yeah. Yeah. Godfather Part One to me is a eight point seven. Eight point seven. All right, all right. Ref, I will give. Uh, despite you know trying to to <laughs> take criticism. it down a little bit, despite criticizing, which I feel like I needed to, because this film has been emblematic for so many years, and I wanted to taint it a little bit to to give it shades of gray, much like the mafia. It's, co it's covered in shades of gray. Um, but I will still give it a 8.5 red tomatoes out of 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. Ollie? Low-key reference to the... Tomatoes. Yeah, low-key, yeah, yeah. super low-key. Like, <laughs> like, tomatoes? What does that mean? Tomatoes? <laughs> um, yeah, like, uh, you know, I actually, I'll just say before I give my rating that I, I, I do hope we get another chance to talk about this film because um you know raf i don't think we gave you the uh, yeah a, a, a good enough opportunity to actually explain what your um uh problems were with the film because i feel mm. like obviously it was dominated by me fede and jabriel men just talking about how dominated amazing by the, men yeah <laughs> but talking about how amazing this film is so i do hope you get more of a platform to like take this film down because i i believe in killing kings like killing kings is a good thing right mm. so um but anyway uh putting that to the side um yeah i i don't know it's it's gotta be for me a 10 hmm. <laughs> uh <t> <laughs> trying to think of the uh the 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 <laughs> unit of measure the quintessential uh, uh <laughs> i would say i would give this 10 uh freaking <laughs> 10 
Ah, <laughs> ten. I can't think of anything. <laughs> just but, ten, just ten. But ten uh, isn't ten the maximum they can give anyway. No, I'm no, giving, I'm giving ten. Say. No, no. So I'm giving this film ten out of ten. But as a tradition in our podcast, we usually will pick like a a unit of measure. So if you're talking about like Rocky, say ten boxing gloves out of ten. And so oh, I'm trying uh, to think of like the quintessential. Oh, yeah, right. I just remembered. It. Uh, yeah, I will say okay. I'm gonna say ten, like uh, fidgety cats out of ten because I like the the cat, <laughs> the cat in that first scene, which apparently was improv from Marlon Brando. But yeah, t- ten out of ten. This is a masterpiece. Anyone who disagrees with me is a uh, wrong. So. Ten cotton wools. <laughs> yeah, ten cotton wools. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, um, I don't want to. Li- I cannot live without. Shout, shouting out to my man Nino Rota, the composer. Oh, yeah. Mm, oh, the soundtrack. Yeah, shit. This yeah. Glorious. We're not gonna. Okay, we cannot get into this now. But I, I feel, I felt like yeah. we had to at least name. For sure. Shout it out. Yeah, mm. Nino Rota, who did the score for most of the Fellini films. Fellini well. movies. And his yeah. music Agent for those films are incredible as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Good yeah. shout out. Uh, well, right. I guess I've got to give my rating. You know, just want to say, yeah, great movie. Um, just the casting was amazing. I really loved the performances, storyline, all that kind of jazz, all that, all, just everything. I really enjoyed it, and I know that I would rewatch this movie in a couple of years, and I'd be like, "Fuck yeah, this was a great decision." And because of that, I'm gonna give it nine point five. Ooh, good stuff. Bada bing! <laughs> bada bing, bada boom! 9.5 vaffanculos out of 10. Yeah. I, I was going to say vaffanculos, but um, I was going to say 9.5 but... no. um, <laughs> smashed pieces of ceramics by Connie out of 10. Where she was just like oh know, smashing God. all that shit. She oh, went, yeah. she Smash. went for it in that scene. Yeah, oh my that must have been so fun, you know, to film ah, just like, like break everything. <laughs> like the production designers, like, yep, gonna have to clean all that up. And then they take yeah, it. yeah the director, like, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't actually <laughs> tell her to do all that. Yeah. <laughs> well, on that note, guys, um, I guess we're gonna wrap it up here. And before we go, you know how I do it. You know how I like to do it. Don't forget to like. Share, subscribe, comment, give us that five star. You know, give us a thumbs up, comment on our stuff, give us a review. And, you know, before we go, we have to say thank you to our first ever guest, Mr. Federico Master. Thank you very much for being on the show. It was such a pleasure. Thanks for having me. You know, I I felt like it worked. You know, maybe we can do Mm -hmm. guests. It definitely worked. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Absolutely. You know, we got to have you again. Did you all? You also put it on the table for me as an offer. I could not refuse. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. There it is. Well there done. it is. There it is. Well it had done. to come out during the fucking. <laughs> you won. You, you won the podcast, my friend. <laughs> so, without further ado, thank you guys. Thank you, Raf. Thank you, Ollie. Thank you, Fede. And thanks, guys. Hope to chat soon. I'm really excited for the next one. I missed you. Hey guys, if you like the show don't forget to check us out on Facebook and Instagram. You can find us on both at The Movie Newbie. Thanks for listening, guys, and catch you soon.